Good afternoon, everybody. So obviously, um, to address the elephant in the room, or at least the two elephants in the room, uh, one, it's just me today. And two, uh, if you watch this live, you may realize we do this on Saturdays. Um, I couldn't get to work on Saturdays, so we're filming it on Monday afternoons. Here I am. So I hope you uh, hope this reaches you well here on this uh, fantastic Monday afternoon, or whatever day you might happen to be watching this, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or I guess whatever time, too. It's a great thing about technology is, like, you could just watch it whenever. You could watch this at 3 o'clock in the morning. Shout out to people who are watching this at 3 o'clock in the morning, by the way. You, you're, you're hardcore. I like you. Anyways, welcome to our uh, latest episode of Crossroads. Um, I'm Pastor Tally Maynard, and my guest today is my, myself. Um, you guys kind of know a little bit about me, but if this is your first episode, um, I am the uh, intern youth pastor here. Uh, still going through my education and all that, but uh, youth pastor right now, and uh, 28 years old, and uh, I like talking about Jesus, which is why I'm here. I'm talking about Jesus. So, um, first off, shout out to Warren Nutrition. Uh, if you like protein shakes and all that, check them out. It's like right near our church here at uh, Hoover and Martin in uh, Warren, Michigan. I'm not sponsored by them. I just think they're really good. And, uh, yeah, they're good for you too. So, shout out to Warren Nutrition. Ooh, that's good. Anyways, um... For shameless plugs aside, um, so I'm going to do a little short little podcast here today. Today I'm talking about what's known as sanctification. Uh, it's a topic that's not really talked about in its fullness. Um, I'm going to attempt to talk about it because it's a really complex topic. Um, well, first off, I'm going to pray because if I don't pray, you know, it's it's not being really, really led by God. And we want God to be led through this. Amen. That's that's why you're here, because you want to hear about God, amen? I know you, you probably said amen behind the camera, or you didn't say anything. That's that's cool. Don't worry about it. So let, let me pray. Father God, thank you for this, uh, for this time. Thank you for the technology that now works, so that we can uh, record this podcast and talk about you, and talk about becoming more like your son, Lord. Lord, give me the words to say. May this podcast glorify your name. And may you just speak through whatever medium we may encounter this, Spotify, Facebook, YouTube. Lord, you're still God through all those. And we just declare your glory through every single medium this is heard through. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what is sanctification? So we've got to break down what being sanctified is. Or what what is sanctify? To sanctify an object or a person means to wash, cleanse, consecrate, or set it aside for a special purpose. Sanctification is a Christian teaching about how God transforms a person, making them fit for a holy purpose. So it's God basically along the way cleaning you so that you can live out the purpose that God set in your life. Because we all have purpose here. You know, I I didn't discover that till I was like 17 years old. And then I got distracted. 
and then I rediscovered it when I was about 22 years old. And, uh, you know, God knows what he's doing. So if you don't know your purpose yet, I hope you find it very, very soon. But sanctification includes a change of heart, a desire to love God and other people. It includes a change of mind, seeing the world from an honest perspective. It includes embracing the truth about life, oneself, and others. And in the future, sanctification includes a change in the body, healing, and perfecting what it means to be human. So here's the thing. This concept is not uncommon to mankind. It's been happening since the creation of Adam and Eve and then the eventual fall. Um, back during the Exodus, as the Israelites were fleeing from Egypt, going through the wilderness, the tribe of Levi were designated as the bearers of the tabernacle, which contained the holies of holies. Like, God's presence was behind, like, two curtains of this tabernacle they had to carry around. And then the subsequent instruments they would need to perform the ceremonies that were required. So, you know, like a sin offering, a Thanksgiving offering, stuff like that. That's where it generally occurred, because God was there. But part of their preparation was to be cleansed and purified, which, by the definition I just read, is being sanctified to do the work of the Lord. And if you're wondering, oh, why did they do that? Because literally, if someone who was unholy touched it, they would legitimately just die in the spot. So they had to be cleansed and purified so that they could do what they needed to do. It was like handling like the most deadly thing ever. Like, if you're familiar with history, um, the Chernobyl disaster, like, these guys who had to clean up the the roof and, you know, the area were dealing with radioactive materials. Um, fun fact, don't touch radioactive materials, kids. That's not going to end well for you. But, like, these guys, you know, these these guys were handling something that if they weren't clean enough, they would die in the spot. So they had to be sanctified to handle what the Lord had given them. So a few points. Um, number one, sanctification is God's gracious work. Grace is God's unmerited favor. It's his loving posture towards all people. God does not sanctify a person because they are worthy of good. Uh, Romans 3.23 says, For all have fallen short of the glory of God. You know, we're... In, in some ways, we are, we're unworthy under our own strength. But that's where Jesus comes in. That makes us worthy and good. And check this out. God sanctifies a person because of his mercy. This means the sancti that sanctification is God's free gift. Sanctification is work that the Holy Spirit initiates and sustains. And check this out. Galatians 5, 16 through 18, if you're following along or you want to type that into... Google or your version Bible app or uh, Blue, Letter, Blue Letter is a good one too. If you're looking for a good Bible app, I recommend Blue Letter. Um, oh no, I lost my notes. There we go. Galatians 5, 16 through 18. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Um, now, I, I kind of want to just talk about you are not under the law. Um, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law that was set for like the Jewish people as they 
walked through the wilderness as they entered into, you know, the promised land that God promised Abraham and his descendants. Um, Jesus came to fulfill that law. Because if you're not familiar with Old Testament ways, if you sinned, something had to die in your place. Um, primarily, it was goats and turtle doves and other various animals that, that whose blood would take the place of your sin. Now, these ceremonies that the Levites did, they were both like individually, like the individual to bring their sacrifice to them and to the priest. Um, or it was, I think, yearly. Yearly, they would do like a forgiveness offering for all of Israel for, you know, any, any, any sins that were basically unspoken. Um, but when Jesus bared the weight of our sin on the cross, living a perfect, blameless life, and then unjustly executed, which, I mean, you, you, go, you just have to read a little bit through Scripture to realize, you know, it was an act of corruption based on, you know, the Jewish leaders, you know, and then the Romans who were just kind of like, okay. Um, but, you know, that was prophesied, you know, many, many years before the events of the crucifixion. Um, but when it says you are not under the law, when, when you accept Jesus and you accept his covering for your sin, that he offered himself up as a holy and blameless sacrifice... To step in our place, you know, when we do mess up, we're, we're, we're not condemned. We're, we're not condemned. Because Jesus covers our sin. Um, I forgot exactly where it says in the Bible, but uh, it says, Though our sins are scarlet, your Jesus' blood washes away as snow. I think that might have been a worship song. Maybe that was based off a Bible verse, but it's also a worship song, and now I'm confused. And you're probably confused too. I'm sorry. Um, so my first point was sanctification is God's gracious work. My second point is sanctifi- sanctification is supernatural. I know why I'm stumbling over my words. It's because I am wheezing. Fun fact about me, um, I have asthma. And fun fact, asthma is not fun. Um, especially when you're trying to speak and you're already wheezing. So you try to speak as quickly as you can because you're already wheezing. So you you hope you get through all the words before it just comes out as <gasps> or something like that. That was a really attractive sound, by the way. So uno momento. <sighs> hey, I could breathe now. That's fantastic. So anyways, back to back to the point here that I'm going to uh, survive now and not, you know, suffocate because my lungs don't want to work. Sanctification is supernatural. As a work of of God, sanctification includes acquiring new habits, practices, and thoughts. But it's more than the natural work that a wise, but it's more than the natural work that a wise psychologist or counselor can accomplish in a person. Sanctification results from the supernatural presence and power of the Holy Spirit working in a Christian's life. Galatians 5, 22-26 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. You know, 
the Christian walk is a lot of like sacrifice, especially when you go into the ministry. Um, you, you gotta kind of have to give up some things. You have to give up your free time. Um, I had the day off of work, and I could have been like, "Oh, it's okay if I miss one week." But like, when you know you're called to something, and you have in kind of when the Holy Spirit kind of works through you, and kind of almost gives you like kind of like a nudge in that direction, you end up kind of realizing that like. If you live out God's purpose in your life, generally things are perceived a bit better. Um, I've lived on both sides of that spectrum, like living for myself and my own pride and glory and whatnot, you know, trying to be famous or something. I had so many different ideas of how I would, uh, how to provide, like provide money and how to be famous. Um, Let me tell you. Um, the things I did made me no money, um, outside of actual work. And ultimately I just kind of ended up being like more depressed and, uh, a lot more injured because fun fact, extreme sports kind of hurt sometimes. <laughs> and I, uh, I, I went that way, tried figuring out my own plans and I realized that was entirely wrong. Um, and I was really depressed and... Once I kind of, once my, I guess once I opened my eyes and realized, oh, wow, God has a lot more for me than just snowboarding. Um, and I actually started living in his purpose. That's when I found, like, joy. Not just happiness, but joy. Like, happiness is kind of a fleeting feeling. Like, you can be happy, like, one moment, and then you learn some bad news, and then you're sad. But joy is like, okay, Lord, I may not understand what's happening right now or what's happening right now really, really, really hurts. But I know you're good through it. So I'm going to trust in you. And long term, I know evidently I will become happier overall. Um, Happiness is fleeting. Joy is eternal. Um, And I hope that you have that eternal joy. And if you don't, it's a free gift that Jesus gives you. All you got to do is accept him as your savior. But, you know, this passage means that sanctification isn't limited by personality, life, life experiences, or upbringing. It also means that sanctification isn't limited to civility or obedience. That involves actions without heart. It's more. You see, sanctification involves a transformation of the person like in the depths of their heart and soul it's more than what anyone could see or feel it's a mysterious complex process that God initiates and sustains as a gift um I know when I became a Christian so I became a Christian back in 2013 um actually December 2013 it's it's coming up the 10 year anniversary I, I should do something special but uh you know, 10 years ago, I, you know, just learned about God. I was just figuring out, like, the the basics of faith. Like, oh, who do I believe in? And, like, oh, this Jesus guy, he died for my sins? How do I accept that? And, like, a lot of, like, the baseline stuff that you kind of figure out, like, you just kind of have to figure out. But, like, you know, 
everyone was excited about my salvation, but then I didn't realize how much, like, becoming more like him. And that's really the heart of sanctification, is becoming more like Christ. If you break down the word Christian, and break it down to, like, I think it's Greek, Greek lineage, it literally means little Christ. Um, little, it's a point a little later on, but I'll just say this for now. Um, we are called to be imitators of Christ. We're called to live out the example that he set for us during his his life, his four years of ministry, and then throughout his you know crucifixion, resurrection, and then the time he spent with the disciples, and then his ascension. Like we we are to be living out the example that Christ set. My third point is sanctification is a process. I kind of alluded that, but like, let's actually really break that down. Sanctification doesn't happen all at once. Christians don't immediately become loving, kind, humble, and self-controlled. I could definitely say that. I struggled with like a lot of like comparison and like judgment and like I I struggled with like lust for a long time. Um. But here's the thing. As you live out your life with Christ, and when you live out, like, the Christian walk, like, not, not just talk the talk, like, you, like, you walk in church and you say all, like, the, you say the right words, but, like, you're actually walking out your faith. That's when you start realizing you're, you're becoming, like, your, your mind's being transformed. The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that means stripping away, like, sometimes your earthly desires to have them changed by God. I know I would not be in the position to, you know, have, like, loving relationships in my life. Like, and that's not, not like, outside of, like, girlfriends, which, uh, you know, it's, it's fantastic. Romantic relationships are great, but, like, just friend relationships... You know, I had to grow out of, like, the ideas of what love was before I became a Christian and actually subscribe to what, you know, the Bible says about what love really is. Um, you know, it was a process. It, it took me a long time to really to really nip that in the butt. But I, I got to say, having put in the work to become more like Christ, and I'm still doing that, just, just because I'm talking about it doesn't mean I'm not going through it. I'm still a work in progress. You're still a work in progress. The pastors are still a work in progress. You know, all the famous pastors you see on Instagram or Facebook or any social you use, they're still works in progress. We're all ultimate works in progress until we actually, you know, go up into heaven and our mission's complete down here. Um, it's like It's like a child growing up into adulthood. That's the best example I got. You know, it's Christians become more sanctified over time. This means that Christians are, should expect to make progress, to grow, and to become more loving, kind, humble, and self-controlled over their life. While there may be occasional setbacks and lifelong struggles, God makes people holy in the long run. That that's that's hope right there. Like again, I'm I'm a work in progress. I'll gladly admit to that. That I, you know, I I still struggle with things on a, from time to time. And sometimes there's setbacks and all that. But here's the thing. God never gives up on you. God never, ever gives up on you. 
Um, you can mess up a thousand times, but that one time you like the one time you don't fall into the same trap, like God rejoices over that. God rejoices that you're becoming more like His Son. Uh, I I know, especially when I was younger, um, seeing women in the right, in the in the right way, especially like you men like. You know, Christ called us, us men, I'm talking to the men here, to give our lives for our wives and all that. You know, for the, for the people that we love, we lay down our lives. You know, no truer love than this, than one who should lay down his life for his friend. Um, that's that's what we're called to as, as men, especially in, the, in like in marriage. Um, not that I'm married right now. Uh, you never know, I might be soon. Well, I guess depends on your definition of soon. Uh, you know, we're called to lay down our lives like Christ laid his life down for the church so that we, you know, it, it's not about us, it's about them. It's about them. Um, you know, I I forgot exactly who it was. I want to say it was Isaiah. Um, you know, he answers, here I am, Lord, send me. I think later on, I hope it's Isaiah. I'm hoping not wrong. If I'm wrong, please, please correct me here. Um, but he said, he must increase, I must decrease. Um, that's just part of, like, that's, that's really what sanctification is. Decreasing who you are, like, in your human flesh, so that God's presence can increase within you, so you can live out that example of Christ. You know, one of the authors of Scripture, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the books in the New Testament, you know, he wrote Acts, Romans, a lot of the letters to the other churches, like Ephesians was a letter, First, Second Corinthians were two letters because the Corinthians were really thriving, um, Philippians, you know, ma- majority of the books. Um, used, used himself as an example. He explained that while he, he is a follower of Jesus, he is not already perfect but continues to pursue God's call to new life. Even as a missionary and eyewitnesses, eyewitness to Jesus' resurrection, Paul continues in an imperfect love. For him, being sanctified means embracing weakness and trusting in God's undeserving kindness. Uh, we're going to pick that up in 2 Corinthians 7-10. through 10. Or because of these surprisingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep myself from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, just like he says to you, because that's why we have the Bible, because God wants to talk to us. And literally, like, the Bible is God's diary. All of it's, you know, God-inspired. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Check this out. So he knows he is flawed. He knows that he's going to be tempted, just like every single person is tempted, you know. Like the, the best pastors are tempted, you know. I'm tempted, you're tempted. And if you don't admit to that, you're, you're going to have to at some point, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's going to suck, but it's going to be all right. Um, you know, we're all flawed in some way. But check this out. And it's 
such a countercultural thing, especially here in America, where it's really individualistic. But check this out. Check out what Paul says. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Um, Paul basically says, you know, I'm not a perfect person, but if my imperfections can lead you to Christ, so be it. And that that's that's been my heart as of late, is like, especially getting used to being a pastor. Like, I've done ministry for seven years, but I just became the, like, I guess the intern youth pastor, but I'm going to evidently become a youth pastor. I'm still continuing through my education. Um, you know, I've, I've been in this position, I think about two months at this point. Um, it came in at February, uh, still kind of pinching myself sometimes about it. But, uh, you know, I, you can, you can very easily fall into the trap of like identifying with your title, but like, especially those who are called in the ministry or maybe you're doing a ministry right now. Um, the biggest opportunities you have to reach people is through your own weakness. I will always admit that I can be a weak person sometimes. But I need God's guidance and mercy and grace. Um... Because evidently, vulnerability breeds vulnerability. So if you're vulnerable with people about your struggles and how God's worked in your struggles, you know that can lead so many different people to the Lord. Um, I've had a lot of conversations in uh, in cars as we as we sat, you know, as we sat in like parking lots or like over food, you know, just admitting like, man, I am struggling right now, um, and I need prayer. Like, and then you talk about your struggle and it's like, and then, you know, someone could say, oh my gosh, I have that same struggle too. Like, if you're open with people, you're, they're going to be open back. Um, but it only comes through being vulnerable with your weaknesses. But then coming through with how God has, you know, worked on you and how he's refined you or how he's going to refine you and the hope you have in that. Because... You know, I'm I'm still working out my own sanctification, uh, but I know I know I'm not going to get there in its entirety just yet. But I also know that God never expects us to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect to do God's will. If you look through the Bible, every single person you see did something imperfect. Um, David, David's one of the best examples of that. He literally. He went, you know, slept with someone else's wife. And then to cover it up, he sent the husband out to battle and basically orchestrated his own, you know, death. So David was an adulterer and a murderer. Yet when he changed his heart, when he realized his weakness and actually like turned away from it and repented from that, he ended up becoming a man who was known to be a man after God's own heart. Um, and that's beautiful. There, there's restoration in Christ. Uh, 
it's beautiful, and I don't know if I have all the words to summarize it. Um, and I, I think that's just where the Holy Spirit comes in. Where we're, when we're out of words to speak, the Holy Spirit speaks on our behalf, and it's really beautiful. Um, my fourth point, kind of getting back on the path because I like going on rabbit trails sometimes. Um, sanctification results in good works. God requires his people to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with God, which is a reference to Micah 6, 8. For Christians, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And that's James one twenty seven. You know, God loved us so much that we should go out and be loving others too. Like that that's part of sanctification is again living out that example. You know, it's caring for the people who are marginalized, who are afflicted with like pain or poverty or even famine. Uh, you know, it, famine's a really rare thing here, really rare thing here in America, but I mean Maybe someone's watching this from a country who's affected with that. Like, you know, like, the pain of that. Um, I guess maybe something a bit more applicable to our, my American viewers here is, you know, people who, you know, lower-income families who really have to struggle for food. Um, I remember uh, Kevin Durant. Uh, if you don't know, he's a basketball player. I don't know what team he's played on now, but I know he's played for the Thunder and the Warriors. Oh, that was delicious. Sorry about that. Um, but anyways, you know, he he became like MVP of like the NBA, like the NBA regular season. I, f- I forgot what year. So you probably know the year if you're an NBA fan. But he talked about his mother and like the sacrifices that she made that she she wouldn't eat. Like that's, you know, and you know, obviously it led to him being like an NBA star making millions of dollars and all that. But like, Think about the people we don't hear about, you know, the people who are just struggling to get by. Maybe you know somebody. Those are the people who are called to help. Um, I know I had to help one of my friends out of uh, homelessness during the pandemic. Um, under my own strength, I couldn't do that. Um, there were plenty of times where I'm just like, I can't do it. I don't know what to do. I've never been to that experience. I don't understand that experience just yet. Hopefully I don't experience that, but, you know. I, I don't know, dude. <laughs> uh, but, you know, helping helping my friend through that, I realized that God was transforming parts of, parts of me, making it realize, you know, it's not about myself. It's not about what I can do. Um, I don't have to be perfect. And, you know, I, I think that's going to speak to somebody right now. You don't have to be perfect. God never wanted you to be perfect. God just wanted you to be obedient. And in that obedience, God refines you so that you can be the closest thing to perfect you can be. Um, I know I'm still being perfected right now. Uh, and you are too. Um, that only comes through the Holy Spirit and his guidance. Uh, but here's the good news. In sanctification, God gives what God requires. God just doesn't demand that Christians love and show compassion. Instead, God creates a heart that loves and shows compassion. 
God helps Christians to mature into people who strive to do good in the world. Like a beautiful piece of art designed to bring joy, God God turns his people into a masterpiece created to do good in the world. You know, that's the call for all of us, you know, ministry or not. Um, one, One of the last things that Christ said before he ascended to sit at the right hand of God was the Great Commission. Therefore, go out into all nations, you know, making, you know, making disciples of all nations, you know, that, that's our call. That's our call as Christians. And it doesn't look like being up in a pulpit or being up on a stage or being on a podcast or whatever. It looks like being there for people. It, it looks like, you know, donating to somebody who really needs it. It looks like going out of your way to help somebody. It looks like sacrificing your own interests so that you can show you could show grace to somebody else. Um, ministry is a lot of self-sacrifice. I think I mentioned that earlier. Um, you know, I've had to sacrifice my money, my time, my energy, so that others can encounter him. And I'll, I'm going to be honest, I, sometimes I completely blow it, or I feel like I completely blow it. Um, but the beautiful thing is, like, God still worked. Again, God never requires you to be perfect. He requires you to be obedient. And in that sanctification, you become more and more obedient so that you do more good in this world. Because, you know, we, we all, I think a lot of people, you know, I think the big three things that we all want to be is seen, heard, and accepted. Seen, heard, and accepted. Um, you know, and some people need that tangible example of that. I know when I first became a Christian at 17, I still struggled with my own self-identity. Um, you know, I was learning about this God who loved me, but I didn't feel it just yet. Like, I had, like, the head knowledge. Like, I knew in my mind, hey, God loves me. But, like, when, when it really makes impact is when it hits the heart. So when you have that heart knowledge that, like, man, God loves me, and nothing's going to change that. Like, when you know that in your heart, that's when, like, things really start changing. Uh, <laughs> well, like, once you get that heart knowledge, it's not meant to just keep for yourself. It's meant to go out into the world. It's to live out the Great Commission. It's to be an imitator of Christ so that they can experience Christ and then be imitators of Christ who go reach other people, you know, who need security or peace or joy or happiness or whatever. Um, you know, it, it's a expanding line, um, but that line only starts with you. So you, n- you never know what God may be calling you to, and if you do, I hope you're living it out. <laughs> and if you're not... <laughs> get with the program. <laughs> um, here And here's my last point. I've referenced this the entire time, but now let's really dive deep into it. Sanctification looks like Jesus. Uh, where's my notes? Oh no, I, lo- oh, no, I lost my notes. 
There we go. <laughs> um, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children, children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed, clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter who you are or where you came from or what mistakes you made. You know, you can still receive Jesus. You, we, we are all really one and the same. We all bleed, you know, red. We all breathe the same air. We all function the same way. So there's there's really no, in God's eyes, there's no different differentiation between, you know, race or ethnicity or, you know, home country or anything. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And then because we're in Jesus, we're heirs according to the promise that he set, you know, before all of us. Many of the Bible's descriptions of good works, love, virtue, and qualities that the Holy Spirit produces in sanctification find their perfect picture in Jesus' life and ministry. Christians are to imitate God through patterning, pattern, patterning, you know, making a pattern of their life after Jesus' example of love and compassion. In sanctification, God forms his people to reassemble his own holy character revealed in Jesus' life of love and self-sacrifice. God sanctifies Christians. And human beings participate, struggle, fight, work, and act. Countless passages teach that human beings are responsible to work out their sanctification. Romans 8, 12-13, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh, to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put the death, the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You know, God gives us this amazing invitation to join him in heaven. And then evidently the new heaven and the new earth once, you know, the end times come along, which I, I don't know that. Even the Bible says not even the sun knows that. So like, I'm not even gonna take a guess on when the world's gonna end. I, I know it's one day, but like, I don't know what day it could be today for all I know. Um, but here's the thing, like, he wants to, like, God wants to give you eternal life. He wants to be with you just like he was with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Um, but part of that is putting to death the sin that so easily entangles, the sin that came through, you know, eating of the apple or the fruit. It says, it just says the fruit. I don't know what fruit. I'm, we just guess apple. Um, you know, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Because, you know, if Adam and Eve never ate that or any any generation of human eat it afterwards, you know, we would have evidently still been in communion with God, like walking step in step with them, like physically being able to walk with them, hold his hand, and we walk along the way. But, you know, it's putting to death, you know, the sin that we all struggle with as, as people. Um, sanctification is a process of dying and rising, of self-discipline and the renewing power of the Holy Spirit. Thus, Paul can describe the Christian life in these terms. 
For we who live are always being giving, given over to the death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest, manifested in our mortal flesh. 2 Corinthians 4.11 God has provided a plan for sanctification. In sanctification, God has promised to work through human effort and activities designed to discipline the heart. While there are forms of self-discipline that are worthless for the journey and fail to result in a holy life, there are special activities that God has promised to bless. Um, you know, part, part of sanctification is being disciplined. It's you know, understanding that God is a father, and any good father disciplines their child so they don't do wrong. I know my father taught me to work hard at whatever you do. You know, I, I learned that through discipline. Uh, for some reason, I didn't try in the fourth grade. I don't know why, um, but I was disciplined for, for not working hard, for not doing the things I was meant to do in that time. Um, now, I'm not going to lie, that discipline kind of sucked. Uh, I was grounded for quite a while, but uh, the thing is, you know, I needed that discipline so that I could develop that work ethic that would lead me into the things that I do nowadays. Um, and the cool thing is, my 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 parents aren't Christian at all. I'm like, the, I think I'm the only Christian in my family. I might be wrong, but as far as I know, I'm I'm probably the only practicing Christian in my family. Um. You know whether he, you know whether my dad realizes it or not. And if you're watching this, hi dad. Uh, <laughs> you know whether he realized it or not at the time, he was being an example of evidently my relationship with God. God has, God has had had to discipline me a lot. Um, he's had me had to face the weight of my own stupid mistakes. Um, <laughs> if you don't know this. And maybe you can see this through the camera. I know it's kind of a wide-angle lens, but uh, you know, I uh, I really haven't taken good care of myself, especially in my younger years, where there's a lot of self-image and depression and all that. Um, now God was very gentle with me, but there was still discipline, and I'm feeling that discipline of self-care through the fact that I have to have four teeth pulled very soon. Um, so maybe you watch this like a couple weeks later and you see a picture of me with like a face swollen up, you know exactly what happened. I didn't get punched in the face. I just had teeth ripped out of my face. <laughs> um, but you know, that, that's kind of part of discipline is understanding that if you do something wrong, you're going to have to be disciplined so you don't do that wrong again. Um, and that, that's just, that, that's really a part of sanctification. That's one of the bigger parts of sanctification is Disciplining, being disciplined, and then disciplining yourself so that you can live the holy life that God's called you to live. There we go. Um, Colossians 2, 16-23. God works to sanctify his people through their, re through their reading scripture, hearing biblical sermons, praying, and being baptized. He also works through their receiving an ordinary bread and wine during a worship service and serving the poor marginalized and anyone who is in need you know it's you know to, to, to be closer to the Lord it's it's putting the self-discipline in to read your Bible to worship him to 
attend churches that teach you about him and draw you closer to him. Um, and like in an honest way, not like a, like a prosperity gospel. If you don't know what that is, it's basically like these guys who are, uh, they're something, man. I'm not going to, I'm not going to judge them. Maybe their ministry is great, but like some of them I've seen have been more like, oh, life's going to be okay. You know, God's got you. He's going to provide you like a private jet or something. Um, you know, life isn't always like that. And I don't think you have to live very long to realize that God, life's not like that sometimes. Uh, life's hard. Life can be very, very hard. But here's the thing. We have God who gave us the Holy Spirit, a part of his nature. Because, you know, it's, it's the Trinity, three in one. You know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God literally gave us a part of, God literally gave us a part of himself. So that he can, that he can dwell within us so that we can become more sanctified to do the work that he's called us to do. You know, through God's sanctifying work, Christians begin to imitate Jesus and reveal character, characteristics consistent with him. In my last verse, and we'll be finishing up today, Galatians 5, 23-26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking, and envying each other. You know, it's... I've had to put to death a lot of things about me. Um pride, lust, um, comparison, um, even my own self-image. Um, and when I, when I say self-image, I mean like the negative ways I was looking at myself. I had to literally put that to death on the cross, you know, like lay it down at the feet of Jesus so that I could start seeing myself how God saw me. And you know how God sees you? God sees you as lovely as beautiful, as purposed. You know, you're, you are made to do something incredible here on this earth. And it may not look like becoming famous or being known across the world or whatever. It can, it can look like just being a neighbor who's always willing to help. Regardless of circumstance, regardless of sacrifice or what you do have to sacrifice, it's... It, you know, living this example of Christ, you, you sometimes you have to put away some things that that may just not be his will. Um, but you know, verse twenty five says, "Since we live by the Spirit, let, let us keep in step with the Spirit." And that's my prayer to you guys. You know, whoever's watching in whatever country you may be in, or you know. My prayer for you is that you grow closer to him, that you allow him to refine you. And refine you in a way that really ultimately brings glory to him and in turn helps you find you. Because I think that, that that's really what I think a lot of people are searching for is like, who am I? 
like, what is my purpose? I think humanity has asked that question for decades and decades and millennia. But really, you know, God's word says, when you put the death, the things that draw you away from him, and you actually subscribe to the things that are, are his nature, that's when you ultimately find yourself. That's where I found myself. That's where I found my confidence. That's where I found my joy and my peace. Uh, the patience. Um, sometimes just like, you know, I, I actually don't really like public speaking. But like, when I grew close to the God, that's when I actually had the confidence to public speak and, you know, record myself speaking, which is really odd. Because like, I'm just in this church alone by myself. Uh, and I'm like speaking so like passionately it's like I'm preaching in front of like 500,000 or something like that um the bible says you know since we are under a great cloud of witnesses so maybe there's a maybe there's more people watching than I realize this right now but uh you know, ultimately God has an incredible purpose for your life um he loves you but you know if, if you know him it's it's time to start being refined by him if you haven't started already um, if you have started, man, keep going. Keep going. Um, you know, when, when they make, like, swords and stuff, they have to refine the metal so it can, you know, do its purpose, which is, you know, to be a sword. <laughs> that example sounded way better in my head than it actually came out as. <laughs> um, but, you know, in your, in your purpose, when you really find that purpose... And even, like, beforehand, when you're trying trying to figure out what it is, like, God refines you in certain ways so that, one, he can reveal it to you, and two, you can live it out. And that, that's my prayer, is that you either find your purpose or you live it out to the best extent you can. Because, you know, God didn't make a mistake in making you. God did not make a mistake in making you. He made you here for a purpose. Um, one of my favorite verses is Esther 4.14. Um, Mordecai is talking to Esther as he is, you know, trying to save the Jewish people from, like, I think being executed. I'm, I'm not too sure. i got to go through the book of Ruth again. But, you know, it says in Esther 4.14, Who knows? Perhaps you have been created for your royal position for such a time as this. You have been created for such a time as this. The gifts and talents that God put in you are specifically made for a time like this. And I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that you find that royal position that you've been made for for right now, for 2023 or 2024 or 2025 or whenever the heck, whenever you may be listening to this or watching this or whatever, you are made for right now. But you don't live out the purpose of right now without being sanctified, without being made clean in Jesus. Um, so I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to wrap this up, and then you can go about your day or evening or maybe even check out some of our other episodes, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify. I'm sorry, I had, I had, I had a shameless plug there. Um, but be, that that's beyond the point. It's, you know... I want to see people live out their full purpose because if people start living out their full purpose, man, how much this world can change. All right, let's pray.
Father God, we lay down anything that may hold us back from you. We lay it before the cross and we give it up. That we put the death of the things that aren't of you so that we can receive the life that you have for us. That, Lord, you have created us for such a time as this. And, Lord, we just ask for just purpose. If we don't know it yet, show us the purpose for the season in our lives, Lord. Um, and for those who, I pray for those who know their purpose but are struggling in that, that, Lord, you would just keep gently refining us. You know, that, that Lord, we would work out our sanctification so that we can draw close to you and live out the example of who Christ is. Father God, I pray for the viewer, viewer right now that you know exactly what's going on in their lives at the exact time they're watching this. God, speak to them right now. That even if my, even through the sound of my voice and whatever distractions may be outside, they would just speak that small, still whisper that would reveal who you are to them. I pray that we all live out our individual purposes like God has set before us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So obviously, maybe a diff different bit format. It just got little old me speaking here. Um, but for those who have watched live, I, I thank you. I know I don't generally announce this stuff, but I really do appreciate when you just kind of tune in. Um, I, and I never ask for you guys to tune in. I, I don't care if I'm just speaking to one person or like a thousand people here. Um, ultimately, if I'm, if, I, if I'm leading someone, leading just one person close to Christ, the purpose of this podcast is, has been fulfilled. And uh, I'm proud of that. Uh, not in a pride way, but like in a, like, I'm happy that God's working kind of way. I know, I know that may have been obvious, but I just kind of like saying that just so my words don't get twisted. Um, but anyways, uh, I'm going to uh, stop the stream and uh, enjoy my little protein shake here. Um, thank you for watching or listening, you know, wherever you may be absorbing this information, um, this rabbit trail filled information. Um, so thank you for listening or watching and, uh, We'll see you next week with uh, hopefully a guest. Hopefully a guest. Um, but anyways, thanks for watching, guys. Have a good day, night, uh, evening, dawn, uh, whatever time you might be watching this. And uh, goodbye. Well, I guess it's not goodbye. For, it's just see you later, I guess. All right, I'm just being awkward now. Okay. See you, everybody.